and welcome to Podcast Me Anything and Ask Me Anything for all things podcasting. I'm your host, Ben Cloy, and I'm joined here in the studio with Matthew Passy, the podcast consultant. Matthew and I wanted to move the conversations beyond the podcasting 101 topics and move into the intermediate to advanced podcasting strategy to reach your goals, to interact with the show, submit your questions to be answered live, book a podcast live with Matthew, or find the notes from today's show, head on over to podcastmeanything.com. Welcome back to another podcast, Be Anything. I'm here in the studio with Matthew out in New Jersey, and I'm here in southern Wisconsin, where we just got nailed with three inches of snow on April Fool's Day, and it was no joke that spring and winter are still clashing and trying to figure out who is winning. Did you get any snow out there, Matthew? Yeah, we had some like weird squalls this week and light snow on the ground and a dusting. It just, my body's confused by the weather. <laughs> we, we were well past the dusting. Like You couldn't even see the grass this morning. Oh, really? It was like wow. just enough to cover the grass, but it's completely snow blanked out there. And it's 40 degrees outside right now. So everything is starting to melt, but just super annoying. And we got a couple more uh, snowflakes coming at this weekend yet, too. Yeah, I am. Uh, I'm, I'm a little over. Like if you're going to be spring, be spring, you know, just uh, just get going. <laughs> that actually leads us into our news, because sometimes when we talk about the news or when we think we look for these news items coming out of the podcasting world, sometimes we just want them to say it. They often tiptoe around different things. They don't tell us what they're really doing. And they just give us these little breadcrumbs that you got to hang on for. And it gets really annoying, like trying to hang on for the breadcrumbs of spring. Well, that comes out of YouTube where they hinted podcast evolutions that they were going to do something with podcasting, but they didn't really say anything. And then a few weeks later, they drop it and Pod News announced that. And so it's really interesting of how they're setting up and essentially making a Spotify type play into a market that people are already there under the surface, but there's no good analytics for podcasting and YouTube to separate those two. Well, I mean, there is the funny thing about YouTube, or I should say in this case, Google and podcasting is that Google has had, you know, two different iterations of how they want to incorporate podcasting into their ecosphere, right? Originally it was on the Google play platform and it was frankly disastrous and convoluted and complex and nobody really enjoyed the experience there. Then they finally came out, they rolled out with Google podcasts, which has been a, a nice, you know, a nice addition to what is, you know, the regular podcasting ecosphere. I, th I think the Google podcasting app is is very suitable and, and works just like you would expect a Google app to work. I think their backend analytics, especially for content creators, is excellent, especially when you can get that like search feature, right? Like what are the searches that are leading people to your content? I think it's pretty powerful metrics that you can't find anywhere else and, and could be useful. Although typically we don't have enough of a sample size to really do much with it. But, you know, I think that's pretty powerful. And now they're saying, well, now we're just going to do YouTube podcasts. It's like, so which one is really going to work? Reminds and, me of YouTube music. Well, yeah, it, it is. It's exactly what it reminds, <laughs> what it should remind you of. And I guess I just don't know why they didn't do this sooner. Like, why couldn't we just say like Google and YouTube mastered bringing video to the internet? Why couldn't they just do this with podcasts and just, still image over the audio. Plenty of people have been doing it. Like, I don't know why this was such a complicated roundabout way of getting to what is supposedly going to be the play, which is podcasts being available through YouTube via the RSS feed. And to me, the under, like if Google is driven by advertising dollars, the engine is already there on YouTube. Like 
why not go where they know they can generate more money by snapping their fingers almost? I, I went on a rant about a year, year and a half ago, basically like shouting at the rooftops on Twitter, like, if I were Google, here's what I would be doing in the podcasting space. And basically what I was pointing out was like, look at all the things that Google and YouTube are already really, really good at or even the best at and just apply it to podcasting and it would be phenomenally beneficial, right? Like one of the things that they're talking about is audio ads, right? Who does ads better than Google? Whether we're talking about search ads, display ads, video ads, like they've, they're, you know, they're pretty much synonymous with digital ads and the ad marketplace. Could you imagine having a place as a podcaster where you can go and say, yeah, I want to run some audio ads and some other shows. Like I've only got $20, but you know, the way Google works, like, okay, we'll get you as many impressions as your $20 buys you. No problem. That would be very useful for us. Um, and, and their ability to track, right? YouTube has much better metrics as far as, um, you know, usability, right? How people, how far people are going in terms of video content. Now we're starting to see that more and more in podcasting from the directories themselves, or I should say from the distribution distribution platforms themselves, but like they could have been way ahead of the game on all of this. Um, and they just weren't. So I, I think this is, if they actually move forward with this plan, it's very compelling. It's very good. Uh, and I think they are going to be making a big push uh, trying to get more of the share of the market. You know, I, I really think it's going to be Apple, Spotify, Google, as it really should be. And the other thing that YouTube has that even Spotify would struggle to even compete with is they have YouTube TV, they have YouTube music, they have your search history from Google. They have probably the most complete uh, experience or data on a single person on what you listen to, what you watch, and to me, that's where they're going to be able to generate the most revenue is they can quickly, accurately put something in someone's feed. And they have, to me, the first place that still only is the one that does it is allows you to skip the ad. So theoretically, I could easily see on a YouTube for YouTube or podcast for YouTube that you could skip an ad if it's not relevant to you and then go right back to your podcast, just like you can on a YouTube video. And they're still one of the only adopters that allows you to skip an ad. They put it in front of you. You like it. You don't. You skip it and you move on. Everybody else makes you watch it. And to me, that could be like a deciding factor that keeps more people into YouTube to watch stuff. Even like right now, as we're recording this, my kids are watching a YouTube video on our TV. They're the only place that people have like content creators watching something on their TV. There's some maybe obscure Roku channels that do that kind of stuff. But YouTube has the attention of people's living rooms. That's a huge buy-in that most other companies that are podcasting don't have right now. Yeah. And, and truthfully, I think there's also just, and this is something that we've been talking about to clients a lot, which is, you know, Oh, should I really do video? If you can, yeah, you should do video. Why? Because there is a large ecosphere. There's a large audience of people who consumption only happens on YouTube, right? Television, movies, music. If your content doesn't exist on YouTube, you don't exist to these people. That's the <laughs> only much. way they consume any content at all. And so I think for that reason, and the fact that they're the second largest search engine behind you, uh, Google itself, um, is a very compelling reason why this is a good move, obviously for them, but also this is a good move for podcasters who are probably missing out on a bunch of audience that don't find them because they don't use podcasts. They just use YouTube. The trick will be if Google opens it up and keeps going. 
because it's going to be the the one point version is going to be good enough. But if they don't make it a priority, like some of the other platforms out there, like say Apple, when they launch a re rebranded podcasting app and then it becomes a disaster, like making sure that they have this like Spotify ambition of we're going to dominate podcasting and we're willing to spend the money and be innovative in the process. To me, that would be like the cutting edge where if it they don't have that mindset with it, it probably won't. It'll pod fade with the rest of all the podcast players that don't maybe make it. But if they invest in it and keep building it to get better and not just ignore it like some brands do, then I think it pretty much is going to go sky to the moon because our sky's the moon. And I don't think I said, still said that right. But either way, I think <laughs> it'll go right to the top of being something that people are using. I could say if YouTube had every podcast that I was listening to measured from an RSS feed, I probably would read from it. Because for me, there's a lot of things that I subscribe on YouTube that I don't make the time to go read my notification bell because I'm not on the YouTube app consistently. But if I was listening to my podcast, I would be consistently noticing all these other videos that have notifications that I don't actually get to watch or even pay attention to. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And and I also be curious to see if they will, you know, with YouTube and, and listen, I don't use YouTube as often as most people, right? Most of the time it's like, can I do that? And I quickly go to YouTube and be like, oh, here's a video, click, watch, done. But I also wonder if this would change the way that people access content on YouTube and that would content be downloadable ahead of time so that we could be streaming stuff uh, if we're not connected to the internet. And I'm sure there's also probably some YouTube premium played into this where you pay your $9.99 to avoid ads that you could probably avoid that as well within the podcasting world and get the ads out of there that are automatic, at least the automatic ones to avoid that. So lots of upside. And there hasn't really been a big giant announcement like this with so much potential in a long time. Like Spotify does different things, but I would say since Spotify bought Joe Rogan for a million dollars or a hundred million dollars, like that was the last big giant play of like, we're going to go big in something. And this is another really exciting one coming to the fruition of podcasting. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be excited to see uh, what actually winds up coming out of this, but you know, cool that they like one kind of disappointing because we thought we were going to get more from them at the most recent podcast evolutions, but cool to see that they then drop all this uh, on James so that uh, he could share it with us. Although I don't know if that was their plan, but I'm still glad that we, we have it. We were able to see it. <laughs> Correct. And you know, I just had this, uh, I have this thought every time I watch the YouTube videos my kids are watching with all these influencers that do crazy stuff with their money and they just have way too much time. But YouTube essentially reinforces this by giving them the advertising dollars from creating content. And I've often always had the like, man, feel like podcasting is a lot more work than YouTubing. And I'm sure I just insulted a lot of YouTubers that do a lot of content creating, a lot of video editing in the background. But the the ease of actually like shooting for the moon and getting like $40,000 per month in ad revenue that's pretty automatic as long as you keep producing content, like versus podcasting where it's a big giant hope to get that high and there isn't much guaranteed and there isn't a lot of momentum out there that helps you get that high like YouTube, the algorithm, if you hit the algorithm, poof, you can go up to a half a million views pretty quick. And I'm excited to have that potential here with this YouTube if it eventually goes forward, because I think that disparity from content creators, like podcasting is a great platform, but it doesn't have the freedom potential that say several YouTubers on the internet have been able to create and provide for themselves and create an entirely different lifestyle than a lot of people in the United States as well and globally overall. And just for the record, 
please don't at me with Ben's comment. I respect that video content can take a lot of work. Sometimes more, sometimes less than podcasting. I do agree. It takes a lot more. It certainly is a lot of work. (laughs) So don't at me on that one. (laughs) Yeah. And don't at me as well. I I feel like it's just more of a feeling versus a reality. And I do realize it's biased with my own podcasting intuition and my own effort that I put in podcasting. But there is something where I'm like, I wish I, I almost like you feel like you're doing something wrong. Like that's probably what happens more often when you watch a YouTuber is like, man, there must just be something I'm missing as this podcaster to get to that level where they make all that automatic ad revenue from their videos. But I realize they take a lot of work. Yeah, they do. Well, let's go ahead and switch over after I put my foot in my mouth, which is a common thing I do. And I think that was probably the good first time that I've done it here on Podcast Man Anything. I switch over to podcast conferences. I hinted on it last week when we were talking about it. And I want to deep dive because it's a whole new level, I would say, for podcasting. There's like this first itch to launch. Then there's this, oh, you gotta you get to create, you get excited, you get to, maybe you're doing an interview show and you have amazing conversations. And then you hear about podcast conferences. And then you hear about this whole group of people that love podcasting just like you. And I think the first thought that really kind of brings you to a podcast conference is when you're living your everyday life, you'd maybe meet three people out of the entire year, unless you're like in a podcast hub where you run into a meetup locally, where you meet people that are in podcasting and get it. And going to a podcast conference where everybody gets it, everybody understands its power, everybody loves and everybody knows your feelings. I think that is a big thing that draw me to my first one. And then once you get hooked on it, you just want to go back because knowing that you're normal isn't a feeling you often get living your life every day when you're just the only one in your neighborhood or only one in your town that maybe has a podcast or that you know of. Going to that place where everybody loves it, to me, that was the first feeling that I got. What about for you when you went to your first podcast conference, which was probably years ago, but you remember the first feeling that was drawing you to it? So it was interesting. I had been doing the podcast production thing very in a very small way, independently. Um, I had just been, you know, I was out of a full-time job in radio that included podcasting, but I, I, yeah, it was more like a tool of radio as opposed to then considering myself actually a podcaster and seeing the potential uh, in the entire thing. Um, but so I wound up meeting someone through a different meetup. Uh, we connected about, you know, it turns out like, oh, hey, you know, you're into podcasting. I've got a podcast. Like, let's go grab a bite to eat one day. And so we sat down when you grab a bite to eat, we're talking. It's like, yeah, there's this uh, PodCon happening in South Jersey. And I had seen that there were some conferences out there, maybe even some larger ones. Maybe podcast movement was around then or uh, maybe it was just before then or, or maybe a podcast. Like there were kind of like events that were starting to happen, but I didn't have the budget for flying anywhere. I didn't really think it was going to be anything important for me. But then I was like, oh, there's a podcasting conference in South Jersey. Okay. I grabbed my phone, immediately bought a ticket. Um, I think I even emailed the organizer and was like, Hey, this is super exciting. I can't wait to be there. Like, thank you so much for putting this together, you know, and maybe I asked a couple of questions. It, the, the conference was called mid Atlantic podcasting conference. It was referred to as MapCon, and it was put on by a guy named Joe Pardo. And I show up and it's literally in the gymnasium of his high school or his old middle school or something like that. And I walk in, I'm like, "Mm, I don't know. This doesn't really feel as serious as I thought it was going to feel. And so I started to have a few doubts, but then I walk in, there's a, you know, 
couple of dozen people standing around. And so I find a circle of people standing around. People were in their name tags. And I start talking to folks. And I, I was still pretty early in the independent podcasting space. So I, I knew a few names. And all of a sudden we're talking and everyone's being really friendly. What do you do? What do you do? Great to meet you. Blah, blah, blah. And this guy starts talking to me. Super nice. And all of a sudden I look over his name tag. I was like, oh, wow, you're Dave Jackson. Like I've seen the school of podcasting before. Like this wasn't a very big space at the time, but Dave had already had a presence and he was, this was well before he started working with Lipson. But if you were in podcasting Facebook groups or if you Googled it at the time, like you ran across Dave Jackson. I was like, you're like a celebrity. You're like an icon. And he could not have been any friendlier if he tried, which if you know Dave Jackson, he is one of the nicest, friendliest people on the planet. Just full stop, no arguments there. Um, and so right away, I'm hearing, I'm like, I'm in a conversation with Dave Jackson, like, oh, this is, you're very approachable. This is very enjoyable. I like being in this room with peers, uh, other people that are doing what I'm doing. And then, you know, other people who were there, it's like, oh, I'm the founder of this. I'm the creator of that. I do like, and everybody there has credibility. Everybody there has credentials. And here I am like, very unsure of myself because I, I started doing this as like a side gig, like, uh, I don't know, maybe I'll make some money off this. But for now, like, I don't, I don't know if I'm if I'm good enough right? you have imposter syndrome, which even to this day I can still suffer with. But um, it was just it was really nice to be in a room with all these people to hear them talk and then watching the speeches that day. And everybody had something very inspirational and very motivational to say. And I remember sitting there thinking, okay, next year I'm going to be up on that stage or, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to talk at one of these conferences. Um, and truthfully from there, like Joe and I became pretty, I'm not going to say like super close, but Joe was a fantastic human being. Again, Joe Pardo, it's, it's no longer MapCon. It's the independent podcasting conference still happens in South Jersey somewhere around the September. I don't have the exact dates, but we'll throw a link to it in the, in the description here for this uh, episode. Um, but Joe is also a fantastic guy. We've stayed in touch. I've helped him out. You know, I've sponsored the conference uh, in the ensuing years since that first one. Um, and I just, like you said, I just remember feeling like it's nice to know that there is a there there in this podcasting business. And that was the first one I ever went to. But I've obviously gone to many, 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 many more since then. And what I loved about that, because you you just essentially said it there, like you felt normal, like these other people love and get it as much as I do. And I, I think that's such a hard feeling when you're broadcasting from your home is getting that feeling that you're not alone and then going to these places and getting connected. And the thing about podcasting communities is in general, you almost have to look for the guy that's an asshole. Like in general, almost everybody is very nice. They're helpful. They're supportive. And it's just a great community to be around. I mean, as the numbers have grown, I think it's a lot easier to find the a-holes in the group. But yes, for the most part, what I was what I discovered very quickly, whether it was MapCon, PodFest, DC PodFest, uh, even the early times in the podcast uh, movement Facebook group was like most podcasters are not in competition with each other, right? Like there is enough room for all of us to be successful. And like at that time, it was. We just need to get more people consuming this content. And so, you know, I am not in competition with the military veterans dad podcast because I don't talk to military veterans dad specifically, right? Like me putting out content has no bearing on what you do. So 
nobody went in there with this kind of like, you know, I'm out to get you vibe, right? We were all in there to help, to answer questions, to offer advice, to share war stories, to support each other. And I think that's still mostly true. Although, listen, as everything grows, as you get any kind of scale, uh, the bell curve changes and there's always going to be people on the other end of the spectrum who right, are not as nice, are in it for themselves, are taking advantage of people. Or, or lose themselves maybe in the process would, would also be the... That's a very polite way of saying that, yes. <laughs> like they just have the natural like influence or they're a nice guy until they make it and then they just forget kind of their roots and where they came from type things. Yeah, they become too too big for themselves. Um, and, and I think you see that even with, uh, with some of the companies that are involved, that like some of the people who who were podcasters and now are part of podcasting, call it corporations, um, can sometimes, you know, it can sometimes feel like they forgot where they came from and they look down on the little guy. That's, I don't, I, that is not the norm. It is the, I would say it is definitely more the exception than the rule, but with podcasting growing and there being more corporations, more people, we're seeing it more. One thing that could be out there in the listener mindset is how do you know when it's time? And for me, if I answer this, then I'll ask you to answer it. For me, if when I felt it was time is when you feel like you have like the basics down and you may be questioning why you're doing it, like natural thoughts of like, why am I putting all this time into this thing when you're not sure how much value people are getting out of it? You're not really sure where to go next. You're not really sure how wide this thing could or big this thing could be. To me, when that doubt starts to get introduced, that's where these podcast conferences create clarity, they create width, they create processes, they create wisdom even of like, oh man, you have this little baseball size thing. Give it these three things and it'll quickly balloon into a basketball. And then you can figure out how to take a basketball and make it even bigger. And it's these little things, but in the beginning, you don't necessarily want to worry about them because they can easily stress you out. But once you have that basics down, to me, the width of what you can truly see in podcasting or available to podcasting is the best part of going to these conferences. So, I mean, I think there's a lot of reasons to go to a podcasting conference and um, when it's time for you to go, I think is very, is going to vary very differently from person to person. Truthfully, like I'm not, not just saying that as a cop out answer, it's really not everybody is going to be ready for that stuff when they think they're ready for that stuff. But um, the the one thing that I will say is super important to keep in mind, and this is the one thing that I think a lot of people do get wrong about podcasting conferences, is that it's not time to, like, you don't go to a podcast conference to grow your audience. You don't go to a podcasting conference to find your audience. That's not the point. Very early on in my experience, a lot of people were showing up to these events and they were, you know, being convinced that this is the way to grow my audience because, you know, I'm surrounded by podcasters, right? Like what better way to, you know, uh, find an audience than to go where there's podcast consumers. And the truth is it's not the right way to do it. Um, Everybody there wants to grow their audience. Everybody there wants to, uh, you know, find their audience and grow their show. And going to the podcast conference is not, you're not there for that reason. Like you don't want to necessarily bring your 
the card for your show and hand it out to every person you see and like strike up every conversation as a, oh, I see you're into podcasting. I have a show. Would you like to check it out? It's like, that's not really why you're there. Because if everybody does that, it kind of gets a little annoying. It's the same thing about these podcasting groups, right? There are people who they go into the groups because they want to promote themselves. Like, no, these conferences, these groups aren't for self-promotion. They are for assistance. And that's the same thing with these conferences. You want to go to these conferences so that you can learn because there's tons of excellent resources so that you can network, so you can make friends and new acquaintances and create support groups and, you know, uh, masterminds and brain trusts and people who you could bounce ideas off of. And you want to go because there are going to be the new and noteworthy trends, technology, whatever that you are going to discover. And truthfully, you're going to go there to be energized, right? Half the time I go to these conferences, I don't go into the sessions because I'm outside in the hallway talking to people who I just met or who I've known through social media or who I had, you know, would see over the years at conferences. And I always leave, regardless of what knowledge I took away, I always leave energized about what it is I'm doing because I got to see people. And for most of us, we do this alone in our basements and our offices, whatever. And so having that human interaction um, can be very powerful and can be a very important part of helping you accomplish your podcasting goals. But, you know, I don't go there thinking, I'm going to leave here with a thousand new listeners because you're not. I love that. It reminds me of my mindset because I'm also one where I'm not in the sessions. And I've learned over the years that the value is in the hallways, not in the, in the sessions. I mean, there's value yeah, the in the hallway session. sessions, yeah, the hallway sessions, because I can't tell, especially like if you uh, almost like group hack where you see one of your friends talking to like four or five people that you don't know, and then you just kind of join those conversations. I've had more life changing conversations out of those that are completely random than anything that I would designed in my schedule app of sitting in a session. Maybe like three sessions is like my most that I do. And they have to be very like, I want to almost know the person versus what they have to say. And I just want to shake their hands or to know that I I exist in this world. And all of it happens in those relationships that come from the hallways, either through a guest interview spot on someone else's podcast or just a relationship to understand or get questions answered or just to have those relationships where you can check in with someone like, hey, I'm having a bad podcasting day and I just need to tell someone. Like to me, those are the relationships that compounded over time, build the, the quality podcast that you want, not from the downloads, but not in the downloads, but just in who you are. And there's one other analogy that I want to kind of say, because it's really helped me with my podcasting journey is I always think of it like a wagon wheel that each niche or each podcast exists on the outer rim of the wagon wheel. And when you're on the outer rim, it's very difficult to see other podcasts. You're looking either across the rim and you've got binoculars and you barely can make anything out, or you're looking to the left and the right and you can only see a few people down. And there's so many things that you miss. But then when you're at the podcast conference, you're at the spoke, you're at the middle. And in the middle, you can see everybody comes to visit and it's very easy to see how many different areas of podcasting, like a common thought that I'll always have when I'm talking to someone is you do what with podcasting, you do what niche, or you're making this kind of money in that kind of niche doing it this way. You just get more visibility to other ways that people are podcasting that then you can bring back and enhance your podcast with. And that's very difficult to do from the outer spoke that when you're trying to do it from the outside and you just can't Google enough, like 
I often say you can't Google who you need to know. You can Google what you need to know, but you can't Google who you need to know. And when everybody comes together at those hubs, the chances of you finding the person that you need is 10x, if not 100x more likely to find that person that you really needed to know, but you could Google your entire life and never find. It's interesting. I went to these conferences in many different roles. So the first few that I went to, I was a, I would say even a budding podcaster, right? I'd been hosting podcasts through the journal and through other places for a long time, but I didn't really feel like a podcaster until I started doing it on my own. And I had a, you know, a couple of shows that I like to do like this that were, you know, about the space. But then I also went to the first time I ever went to PodFest down in Florida. I went as a representative of Pod to Pod, which was a podcasting newsletter that uh, I became a part of for a couple of years. Uh, another time I went to a conference, I went as someone working with True Native Media, which was a podcast advertising agency, and you know the hope to learn and and create relationships around that. Uh, I went on my own the first time we actually launched this show. I went down there. I had a booth. I brought business cards. I brought microphones. We were doing recording. We were doing a giveaway. Like I went there as a, a vendor or a sponsor, so to speak, as opposed to just a a participant. I've been there as a speaker. Um, and so it's going to these conferences and going with all these different motivations. And it's been strange because I think I go to all these conferences with a different objective of what I want to get out of it. But at the end, I usually get out of it exactly what you just said is, I wind up meeting a few people who are genuinely special in ways that I didn't even know I needed in my life at that time. Well said. And that's really the most rewarding part of, of the whole thing. And some of those relationships are very strong and, you know, maybe we talk or, you know, comment on each other's stuff weekly or monthly. And some of them are people you don't really talk to that often, but as soon as you see them again, or, or, you know, you happen to catch them on social media and you comment, they go, Oh, and like you just pick right back up where you left off. And so going to these things, yes, there's a ton of knowledge to gain. There is a ton of insight to gain. There's a ton of experience to gain. But truly, I think the relationships that you get out of them can really be the best reward for the time that you spend there. I don't have exact evidence of this, but I am 90% sure that our friendship started because your information was on a table with no people around it. It was just a bunch of cards. And I was there late at night one time and I saw a bunch of these cards and I started grabbing them just to bring back with me and I would process them when I got back. I am pretty sure because I flagged your podcast audit service after coming back from that conference and it was like a month and a half later, I was like, you know what? I need to do this. I never did it and I feel like I'm in a good spot where I need to know what's next. We didn't even meet, but a random business card left brought two people that have now become friends over the last two years here. So like... You don't, and this is the crazy part that I don't even know how the podcast conferences process it other than just keep promoting all these fancy speakers is you can't put what you just said on a brochure. No one's going to buy it. No one's going to believe you if you've never been to these. Like, but then once you've got it, you're hooked. Like there's no way that you can not believe that this magic happened. And that's exactly what you needed to keep going. No, I mean, listen, in fairness to podcast movement, they have done an excellent job of securing some really, really big name guests to keynote their conference, right? Kevin Smith one year, Mark Cuban one year, uh, was Terry Gross maybe one year? Um, Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell was this year, right? Um, and, and 
that I think is what they use to drive up attendance, right? And listen, they're very good at what they do. They're very good at getting the word out. They're very good at getting people to show up. They are huge events, hugely popular, well-followed, well-sponsored, well-supported, well-run. But you're right. Most people get out of it what we're talking about, but that's not what's usually what leads the marketing. Um, What leads the marketing is, have a chance to see Will Ferrell. Yeah, I'll go see Will Ferrell. And then I'll get all that other stuff as well. Um, So yeah, I I totally agree with that sentiment. And it's often like those keynotes, like they'll get you in the door, they sell tickets, but one good conversation and you'll forget about that keynotes even happening. And the only keynotes generally that I go is either I got time and I'm bored or two, it's someone like actually that I know from an earlier podcast conference that's now on stage and I want to support them, like either taking a picture on Instagram, tagging them or just simple things like that, or just being there to support them in the crowd. Like those are the things that you, you do, but those aren't like why you go initially. So all of those good things, I hopefully help them through. I usually skip most keynotes um, or or better yet, I've gone to keynotes where it's usually some uber famous person that you want to, you know, fanboy or fangirl or fan person all over. And you get there, you're like, oh, that was wildly disappointing. Um, because they are kind of, in many cases, they are doing what you said earlier, which is like, they're too cool. And they're just in there to be like, I'm amazing. Thanks for coming. Right. Um, they haven't learned now, the secrets of Pat Flynn. Pat Flynn does it beautifully. Like one of his models for keynoting is I will stay in that room to the very last person wants to shake my hand and have me sign something like he is there for the entire time. He is the most humil- humble and humility guy you can get up on stage. And he does it in a way that you'd want someone to do it. That's been from the bottom all the way to the top. Oh, and, and that is the way that like, yes, that is ideal. But again, I just, I just find that most of the time the keynotes are not as life-changing or inspirational or um, infra- or educational as I wanted them to be. I agree. I don't often feel like if I were to go to like a leadership conference, I might feel like completely empowered to change my life or like a Tony Robbins type speech. I feel like they could do a little more juice to those, but overall it's still a great way to get you to go. So if you're on the fence, you got to go. There's no other way to get over the fence other than to just to get over it, get there and prove us wrong. But I know we're not going to be wrong because you're going to have the same life-changing experience that we had. So we got PodFest coming up in May in Orlando. You got podcast movement coming up in Texas in August. You got the one in South Jersey in September. If you start Googling it, there's almost always some type of local one. They're getting very niched in local as well. So there are many communities out there doing this over and over. Well, and what I guess that I would say to that is like, it's very easy for us to sit here and say, yeah, buy a ticket, get a hotel room. Think about having to pay for your food for three days, buy a ticket to like tickets to these conferences aren't necessarily cheap. And it is, it, it can wind up being a very big expense. And if you're doing this as a business, right, you're going to write it off anyway, blah, blah, blah. But for those people who are hearing this, like, oh, I, I want that, but there's just no way I can do that. Go to meetups go to Facebook communities. There is definitely something happening in your local community. And if there isn't, you should be the one who starts it. Because for me, it started not with the podcasting groups. Well, like I said, I met somebody at a meetup. I went to this like Princeton tech meetup just to, I figured, all right, you know, technology people, maybe I can sell my services because I didn't know any better. Um, and I was brave enough the first day to get up there and say like this, this particular meetup was just a, 
they talk about startups, they bring in a keynote speaker, they do some networking. And then at the end, they're like, Hey, if anybody has anything they want to say, they can stand up and they have 30 seconds to, to pitch the group. And it was my first meeting and I got up and I pitched myself for 30 seconds and said, Hey, Matthew, my first time here. This was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. By the way, I'm a podcast producer. So if anybody's ever thinking about getting into that space, um, I've got some cards with me. Like, you know, I'll hand them out, you know, come find me. And sure enough, over the course of the next few meetings, plenty of people came up to me, a couple of them turned into clients, but a lot of them just turned into interesting relationships and networking opportunities. And all that was the confidence to go for the next meetup. Go to the, go to this, go to the small conference, go to the big conference, you know, like, so it doesn't have to be a conference. It could just be a meetup. Make it a small it could step, just be a make small it like a domino. Thing. Yeah. It could also be a virtual one. There's plenty of good virtual ones that came out of the pandemic. Joe Pardo, who we talked about with MapCon, when, when the pandemic hit and he had to cancel the first MapCon of that year, because we knew right what was going on, he wound up putting on a, a virtual event like every month for the pandemic about podcasting. And they were super helpful. Now, you don't have quite the same networking opportunities, although tech has changed a little bit and that's a little bit more possible, but still like start small. It doesn't have to be, I'm spending a thousand dollars to go to podcast movement. It could just be, oh yeah, I've got free Thursday night. I can spend $20 to go to this meetup or, or nothing. Sometimes they're free, you know, so you could start small. But I also want to just kind of close that up with is the idea of starting simple and also that there's something really random. I'm glad you talked about the tech part where it's amazing how many people are interested in podcasting that never Google it. Like when you go into those, like anytime I go into a new space, like, and I start talking about podcasting as like the expert, it's amazing how many people only see me as the expert because I'm the first person they've ever met in their life that knows anything more about podcasting than you need a microphone. So when you go outside of like the normal podcasting world, you can quickly be elevated to someone that knows a lot of different things and can be that quick authority on it. Even though you may not feel like it, go to those places and it'll instantly give that feeling of like, ooh, I need more of this. Well, and I will I will set up your end question. I'm not sure if you have one, but I'll give you one. Oh, right I do. Now. I got I was teed up with it when you were talking. Oh, all right. Let's hear your question, then I'll, I'll save mine for after if it's if it's not the same one. So one thing, if you start paying attention to these conferences, they also give a very wide variety opportunity to speak at them. But it can also create a lot of like shooting that goes on when you think about speaking. Like, do I have something unique? Do I have something purposeful to say? Am I going to be different than the other 300 session at these conferences? So I'm wondering if I'm out there listening and I've been to a public conferences and I've been thinking about speaking and I'm on the fence, how would you recommend me walk through that step? Like, how do you decide what you want to speak on? Because I know you've spoken at a lot of different conferences and there's a lot of things you can speak on. How do you decide, like, when you take that stage as even just like an indie podcaster, like telling your story on stage? I'm not actually a big fan of the the sessions where somebody just tells their story of like, I was so successful. I did this way. I did that way. This is what worked for me. I don't always find those to be informative or useful for the audience. So I, I'm not necessarily the kind of person who just wants to be like, I'm amazing. And this is where I'm at. And this is how I did it. And if you believe in yourself, you could be just like me. That's patently not true in many cases, right? Like you had a different circumstance, you had a different opportunity, you had timing on your side, right? Like 
it's it's hard for people to follow in your footsteps exactly. Like, just use my process on your podcast. Like, well, your process works for your podcast for this reason, and and doesn't necessarily work. So I'm not necessarily a fan of that kind of a thing. My my impetus usually for speaking is I can relate to lessons that I've learned, things that we've discovered, ways that I've seen my clients be successful in podcasting, or, you know, there is something new on the horizon or something that I just want to share. Um, listen, I, I get to play with, I, I specifically spend time playing with as many podcasting platforms and technologies and services and startups as I can, because I'm just morbidly curious. And I got to see, are any of these going to be useful for my clients? So often my talks are usually something around the fact of like, Hey, you want to know how to record a podcast from home? Let me walk you through it because we've done it this way, 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 this way. And here's what we have found that works and why. And it's usually the why that's more important because like I said, just because it worked for me doesn't mean it's going to work for you, but hopefully understanding what helped me make that decision will allow you to be able to make a critical and, you know, thought provoking decision about what works best for you, because you can kind of go through a similar analysis. You may end up with the different results and right. If I hope you wind up with what works best for you, but it's really more like how to approach it and why these are the questions to ask yourselves as opposed to, well, Matthew said, use this. So that's what I'm going to use. Like it's not really what I'm going for. So I would say use your, you know, apply to speak at conferences. If you can a share insight or wisdom that you think is unique or different or B, if you have experience with a system, a service or something that is new and different and, and could be helpful to others in the community. Listen, that said, plenty of people are going to go and say, I've got an amazing story. Can I just talk? And plenty of organizers are going to be like, yeah, right. They, they just, they're going to be convinced by that. And people do enjoy some of that. I don't, that's me personally. Uh, but what I don't like are people who are using their talks as a, you know, as a way to, to gain audience, sell, like you talked about even gain audience or sell something. Right. And it, it becomes pretty quick. It becomes pretty evident pretty quickly that they're not actually teaching you. Well, here's how you grow your show. First, you sign up for my service and then you pay me this. And then I've got this deal. And it's like, so you basically have just like recited your landing page to us. And that to me is, is kind of a waste of our time. And you've invested a lot of money to be there to do that, which also then you're like, it's just a bad waste of time. But you also gave me some wisdom that I feel like was right there in front of me, but I hadn't had the words and language to describe it. That I think because there's so many podcasters trying to find out how to be different in the speaking world at these conferences has always been like a, a overthought analysis of like just overthinking it to the nth degree. And I was like, I can't decide I'm out. But you gave me the language to realize like as podcasts, like the first benefit, the first person that really life has changed versus the listeners is yours. Like it's almost always a vehicle for you to grow through something and identifying what limiting beliefs that you've grown through as a podcaster is probably the most universal language that would apply to other podcasters. So if you could talk about your limiting belief that maybe you didn't even know you had when you first started, how you could get through it, those to me would be talks that would amplify and really connect and resonate on a deep level with a bunch of podcasters that maybe aren't overthinking it or aren't going through it or just got started and hadn't realized that like, you know what, that limiting belief has been there for me too. So I think 
identifying the limiting beliefs you've grown through on your podcast and using those as something to teach, either from a technology limiting belief or just from a finding your voice or not liking the sound of your own voice. And like, that's a cheesy limiting belief to speak on. But I think those mindset shifts that podcasting has allowed you to go through, that language would universally connect with a lot of people at those conferences. Mm -hmm. I would agree with that. And I hadn't had that language and it's always been a curse for me. So thank you for that, answering it. And I selfishly as the host get that benefit from the first person that benefits from that question being asked. If you want your question asked and answered here on Podcast Me Anything, head over to podcastmeanything.com. There's a little microphone button in the right-hand corner. You can submit your question there. You can even record the message and we can try to play it here on live. I don't think we've tried that yet, but we could try to see if the technology will go ahead and squirm it out. And I'm sure Matthew already has some ideas of how to play it live, but head over to podcastmeanything.com if you want your question asked live to the podcast consultant. Matthew, that does it for another episode of Podcast Me Anything. We have, again, had a conversation and even echoing. I've had this in my head since last week's episode, having that conversation of one-to-one. I even had some awareness. I don't know if anybody listened out there, but I paid attention and said listener instead of listeners. And I've even done that in my own podcast, making sure I'm using the word you and removing that plural sense and identifying. And hopefully that's what you felt here that we were talking directly to you, the listener out there. Well, it's easy for me. I actually just talk to you. (laughs) (laughs) I have to try to do both at the same time. Well, thank you as always, sir.